Within hours of our local municipality requiring us to shelter in place due to COVID-19, my family and I realized that there would be no better time to adopt another dog. Our son's school, like countless others, has switched to e-learning, and my husband transformed our dining room table into an IT project management control hub. We are home without an end date, just like you, so naturally, we turned to the internet for help. Dive into any recent newspaper and you'll find articles that we thought we'd never see. Animal shelters and humane societies from coast to coast being cleared of adoptable animals by folks just like us due to COVID-19. Yep, I know. Can you believe this? Only a few months ago, that seemed impossible. But it's happening. And today there are scores of people who are now on a wait list for a shelter dog. Did you know that there are 78 million dogs in the United States, more than any other country in the world? There are nearly 14,000 animal shelters and rescue groups located across North America. According to the ASPCA, there are approximately 6 million companion animals, both cats and dogs, surrenders and strays, that enter shelters each year. Of those, about 1.5 million are euthanized because there aren't enough homes willing to adopt, or there isn't adequate room in the shelters. And dogs over the age of 7, or senior dogs, are 75% less likely to get adopted than their puppy counterparts. What animals bring to society, to our families, into our homes, and our work, is priceless. Studies have shown that pets help reduce stress, ease loneliness and depression, encourage exercise, and even improve our cardiovascular health. And according to the National Institutes of Health, the foundations of mindfulness, which include attention, intention, compassion, and awareness, are basic to human behavior, but they require practice and cultivation. In animals, though, particularly dogs, it's innate. They can sense and feel a moment without interpretation or judgment. It's natural and unconditional. But sometimes their lives don't start out or end up in the best of circumstances. For two women, their passions in life have become a calling, and they care for souls both two- and four-footed, with a love and patience focused to bring, heal, or resurrect life. It's called Rescued, and our story starts here. From the studios of Hum Productions, I'm Brooke Bechtold, and this is Impactually. Jody Fisher is a nurse, and she talks about those whom she cares for with understanding and dignity in birth, health, and death. In this time of COVID, she sees shifts in her work that are both sad and scary, but then encouraging too. June of 2019, she and her husband relocated from Houston, Texas to Janesville, Wisconsin. With their children grown and on their own, their spare time is now consumed with the humanitarian work they've devoted themselves to. Jody is the co-founder of Albert's Dog Lounge, a dog rescue for animals in high-kill shelters, who are commonly in their last years, months, or even weeks of life. Whereas seniors, special needs, in the hospice uh, rescue, we're based out of Whitewater, Wisconsin, but probably about 98% of the dogs that we rescue are from Houston, Texas. 
we're kind of an overlooked population of dogs, if you will. Um, especially down in Houston, we have, um, we have a tremendous dog problem. Um, quite often they're the population of dogs that are dumped in shelters. Um, oftentimes for a younger replacement. Um, sometimes because they have medical needs that families can't afford. Um, you know, for any number of different reasons, these senior dogs that often end up in the shelter or in the case of Houston, and I'm sure some larger cities, um, sometimes dumped on the street. And, um, you know, sometimes they have medical needs that we can meet and we can fix. Um, other times we, they don't. And that's where hospice comes in. So, in in Houston, the county shelter and the city shelter, um, this time of year, you can usually expect numbers in each shelter to be over 350 dogs. It's not unusual for them to have four dogs per kennel. And the shelters are not built for that number of dogs. These These shelter workers are having to euthanize sometimes hundreds of dogs a day in the, in the worst case scenario it has happened um you know houston has a much warmer climate so there's a longer breeding season we have a very uh lots of different cultures and education levels and you know there's just so much diversity there that unfortunately when it comes to dogs um they kind of pay the price it's uh, unthinkable. It's unimaginable. You don't really understand the depth, the scope of the, uh, homeless dog problem. Um, unless you've actually been there, been on the streets and been to visit the shelters. Um, bless those people that work those shelters. They probably have one of the hardest jobs. Jody runs Albert's Dog Lounge with her co-founder and rescue partner, Mandy Lewis. Together, along with a well-orchestrated team of volunteers in several states, these women have made it their mission to focus on this very specific population of dogs and see if their little rescue could do something to help, in good times and in bad. So Albert's Dog Lounge is a transporting rescue. So we rescue the dogs down in Houston. We get them to the best health status that we can. And then we transport by small van transport. Um, up to Wisconsin. We typically do that once a month. We typically transport about 20 dogs at a time. We stay very small. Um, but here recently, in light of COVID, we have been blessed with this inundation of applications. We are just getting so many applications that now we have actually added in supplemental transports. We have, we have a real tight application process, um, but our goal is to just make the best match we can. But now people are reaching out to our rescue and really wanting to help. And, you know, they're, they're realizing, you know, this, this, it's a good time to have a companion. Um, and what better than a senior dog? They're great cuddlers. <laughs> With four dogs of her own and four fosters soaking up family life, Jody is a people's nurse. Currently, she works at the University of Wisconsin Medical Center with a background in medical surgical and acute wound care. 
She's not a trained vet tech or a veterinarian, but she learned over the years that the body system's science of medicine generally translates. And she knows that relying on her gut in partnership with good reasoning matters. The skills needed in all her vocations and activities are the ability to listen to the needs of others, to develop good, solid care plans, rely on her team, and be empathetic. Jody's first senior dog was a guy named Solomon. We, we, we named him Solomon. When the owner surrendered, they did not release his name. And so we decided that he, he was a, like a Chesapeake Bay Retriever slash Border Collie dog. Um, and he was gray around his muzzle. And we figured he'd seen a lot and had a lot of wisdom. So we named him Solomon. Oh, what a, and is he still with us? He actually um, passed away um, after having a beautiful uh, forever home uh, for two years. So he had a great life. Nicole Espy's granddad, Jack, always describes his family as having a unique genetic malady of sorts. Not a shortfall, quite the opposite a strong, undeniable love for animals. As children, Nicole and her sisters can't remember a time that their grandparents and parents didn't bring rescue pets into their homes. And this condition became a generational passion that time never forgot. Nicole and her family live in Wisconsin on a small farm in the town of Mount Horeb. On the outskirts of Madison, the Espies are nestled into bright green rolling pastures and meandering creeks that cut in and around the area. Life moves at its own friendly pace here. At the entrance to their farm, Nicole will tell you, honk your horn and I'll let you in. Coming out of the house, she is a modern-day mother goose, because trailing along with her is a large pack of dogs. All sizes, all barking, every tail going a mile a minute. Some stay with her and some stick back. The fence is moved, and you are enveloped into their affable, organized chaos. Uh, Yeah, my name is Nicole. I live in southern Wisconsin with my spouse and two boys, and uh, we share our house uh, with other four-legged family members, um, most of which are dogs. Currently, we have seven of them who um, bear our same last name. And currently we have three fosters, a few kitties downstairs, and out in the barn we have some horses and some chickens. Just like Jody and so many others, Nicole, too, is an advocate for all animals. Blissful on their farm, she's also the pastor of a rural Lutheran church, Primrose Lutheran, in Belleville, about 10 miles down the road. So I'm a pastor to small Lutheran congregation, it's, I call it kind of ex-urban, we're in the country, uh, but a lot of our folks commute um, or near Madison, and um, yeah, I guess that's my other calling besides animals. I think you bring your, if you have a vocational calling, um, I think you bring your whole self to that, and um and so I, you know, I am who I am. Part of um, part of our theology is where your passions or your gifts 
um, meet the deep needs of the world, that is where um, God is calling you to action and service. Um, and so I feel very comfortable sharing my love of animals. I feel like somehow I um, listen to that call of where I'm um, asked to be a service to the world. Uh, I never remember time that I didn't have dogs and or a cat in the house. There have always been, like, animals in my family for multiple generations. Nicole's fostering work started back in 2014 when they connected with a rescue and took in a dog named Zico. Six months later, the Espies adopted a hound mix named Nadia, and Nicole met some of the people who were doing animal transports up from Texas. She knew she could help and immediately got to work. But I just started fostering for this other rescue, and that was Patty's Paws. So then I would go over there on transport weekends and help unload. And it's grown since then. So I foster. I do some of the trips. I do home visits. um, And we all work together. So it was really lovely. I guess what I wanted to say, it's really a team. (laughs) It's not me. (laughs) It's a team. Animal rescue work is the calculated efforts of huge humanitarian teams, and we were amazed by the number of steps and irrefutable cooperation crucial for survival. Rescue organizations work with altruistic boots-on-the-ground groups who've developed partnerships with high-kill municipal shelters commonly located in southern states. Adoptable dogs of all sizes and ages are pulled from cages and euthanasia rooms. The animals are quarantined and evaluated for 10 days, sometimes longer, with communication going back and forth with receiving rescues about temperaments, special needs, and health concerns. They are examined by a vet, most times spayed or neutered on the spot and cleared for travel. Vans staffed with two to three people are then loaded with crates of these incredibly lucky-to-be-alive animals that are then transported, in this case, north to Wisconsin. Just for a second, imagine being one of those animals and the amount of change and uncertainty they face. When they come there, they can have really elevated stress hormones. Um, One thing people in rescue don't always know is they don't know that emotional traumatic side for the dogs. Even living in a shelter environment is really stressful for a dog. Once arrived, the receiving rescue will unload, walk, feed, and assess the dogs, making either adoption or foster arrangements, depending on the animal. Within the organizations that Nicole works with, this typically happens twice a month. The entire process is made possible by all volunteer teams and is done with an amazing amount of constant fundraising. For those of us with pets, we know keeping an animal does not come without cost, and the operating expenses of a shelter or rescue are staggering, with some running out of humane, life-sustaining options. According to the ASPCA, shelters foot the bill to the tune of about $100 per dog per month for food, shelter, and minimal veterinary care. And with the special needs of these seniors, Jody says that on average— Alberts can spend upwards of $1,000 per dog on medical needs. Remember, shelters and rescues rely on donations to keep their doors open, donations that can fluctuate with our economy. But right now, living in this temporary yet isolating COVID reality, more than ever we are realizing how much we rely on our pets. 
For most of us, the loss of our daily routines, constant news of infection and casualty updates, and just general fear have put a strain on our own emotional well-being. How do we deal? We flood social media, even news broadcasts, with photos and videos of our pets, rising to the occasion and easing our isolation just by being themselves. There are a number of clever videos circulating the internet these days of housebound owners using their pets as props to create public service announcements about social distancing, or to simply provide some humor as we all pass the time alone, together. There's one of famous golf announcer and Scotsman, Andrew Cotter, who refocused his announcing talents from our non-existent professional sporting reality to videos of his two Labradors, Olive and Mabel. Or have you seen Arnold Schwarzenegger's videos on the art of coronavirus etiquette? The Terminator is joined in his kitchen by his miniature horse, Whiskey, and pet donkey, Lulu. They share a vegan meal, talk about quarantine and friendship, There's a minor disagreement, Schwarzenegger breaks it up, and stays on script. He's even made a number of them, and the absurdity is both hilarious and effective. With over 19 million views, people are paying attention to recommendations that are infused with levity and simplicity that only our animals can provide. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Impactually. The team at Hum Productions works hard to leverage our episodes with the incredible and inspiring impact of our guests. If you want to support the show and be more in the know of what's coming up with Impactually, you're invited to support us on Patreon. Whether it's branded swag, earning producer-level credits, gaining access to scripts, or learning what's happening behind the scenes, you can get those and more if you go to patreon.com forward slash impactually. That's patreon.com forward slash impactually. Megan Mueller, a senior fellow at the Tufts Institute for Human-Animal Interaction, says, quote, Pets provide non-judgmental emotional support. Contact with pets helps reduce stress and anxiety, particularly when you're experiencing a stressful situation. Pets can motivate you to do things that are good for your own mental health, says Mueller, and activities with animals that you enjoy or that are part of your routine help bring back some degree of normalcy. The American Veterinary Medical Association states that approximately 62% of households have at least one pet. How important are animals in society, in your opinion? Oh, Well, I'm biased, so I'll put that on the table first, but I would say exceedingly important and maybe more important than ever. I recently heard about um, a study about kids, elementary school kids, not being able to say where their food comes from. Like they couldn't identify an egg came from a chicken or, you know, a packaged food thing in the store came from a plant that came from a field um, that grew out of the dirt um, that needed water. So we have become a society in some ways that's so removed um, from the things that actually sustain us that uh, the human animal, uh, human creature bond, I think is more important than ever to 
reteach us um, some of those um, previously um, held wisdoms of living together as part of um, creation. Recent generations, almost everybody had a garden, even in town, um, and that's gone away just in the last couple generations. But uh, but that's a loss, and I think creatures really help us, remind us, and keep us humble um, that it's not all about us. It's all about being connected. Jody and her family started fostering dogs about five years ago, and since then they have had over 200 lucky dogs come through their home and stay until a forever family is found or they pass away. The Fishers focus on large-breed senior dogs or those needing continued medical care. Nicole and her family are usually asked to foster dogs who need to be with a caring pack and humans who excel at patience. As of March 2020, they have fostered 52. A big part of fostering these animals is helping them work through stress and decompress to learn how to be part of a family and trust. Sometimes it's providing some holistic medical or hospice care. Homelessness, climate issues, life in some of these shelters, and cruelty can be traumatic and dangerous. It's hard to recover from that, and sometimes you don't. Living in a shelter environment is really stressful for a dog. Um, and then just moving, you know, three or four households um, is sometimes stressful. So we try to coach people to have patience and grace and understanding um, not to have their put their expectations on the dogs immediately. Sometimes it means just letting them be quiet for a month. I've had dogs like hide behind sofas and not eat. I, one dog came because the lady adopted it and within a day she's like, I can't have this dog. It won't eat. It won't eat. It just hides. Well, <laughs> I had to go meet her. I got the dog out of her car. I got it in my car. It came here. Indeed, it went behind the sofa. And I figured, well, Spencer, when you're ready to come out, you'll come out. Are there therapies that you've found that really help relieve stress or acclimate these rescue animals to their families? Uh, I think that the answer to that question is as unique to the individual dog (laughs) um, as it would be if you had an individual person. Uh, So, yes, we as fosters work intentionally with these dogs to give them um, the greatest self-confidence and the best skill set they can have um, when they go into their new home so they can be successful. Um, A lot of times when they come, they just need to feel secure. So for some dogs, that's having their own space. For other dogs, it's getting out and, like, being able to run. Uh, for some dogs, it's being able to be Velcro dog and just be carried around. Um, we've had some that have to sleep with us no matter their size, but that's what they need. Um, and other dogs need you to leave them alone uh, just to respect their space and let them come when they're ready. Um, but they all learn. And so the biggest help in all of this is the pack. And I would like to say um, the pack does the majority of the work training the new dogs because they help them feel safe. Outreach, promotion, and education are all ways in which these rescues find loving, permanent homes for these animals. Nicole and the groups she works with, Albert's Dog Lounge, Patty's Paws, and Lola's Lucky Day, 
all firmly believe in doing right by the animals they've worked so hard to relocate or rescue. The way they do that is by doing interviews, home visits, reference checks, and teaching on the front end. This way they know their prospective adopters are truly matched with the needs of each dog. Organizations set up and maintain websites with information about available dogs, with many organizations working together to spread the word. They participate or create events for the dogs to get out and be seen. Sometimes it's just a walk through a neighborhood or a park with a leash that says, I'm available for adoption. That can make a connection. They find creative ways to get their foster dogs out in front of people. This is not the time for, my shelter is better than yours, because what they're all ultimately trying to do, all of them, is put themselves out of business. How do you find new homes for your foster animals, and then do you keep in touch with them? One of the greatest joys ever is having adopters stay connected with you and send you little updates and um especially the dogs you'd worry about a little bit. But even the dogs you don't worry about, it's just such a joy to see them living the good life um, and that you were just the tiniest part of that miracle happening for them. It's so fulfilling. Um, it's Yeah, people, people always say, oh, I could never do that. I could never foster. I could never love a dog and give them up. But they're missing the bigger picture that without sacrificing that tiny bit of your heart, you can't share that dog, and that dog can't be shared um, in this huge miracle. Like all good causes, whether a household or a company, it takes money and resources to be able to do the work we've defined and set out to do for ourselves. Jody says that Alberts relies on donations to make up 99% of their budget. And when you're talking about transporting dogs thousands of miles each month, you know that fundraising plays a big part. And the more help they can get with that, they take it because it affects their impact. So earlier uh, earlier this year, late last year, we started working um, closely with Houston Petset, um, which is a wonderful organization that actually granted us um, an award at Christmas. They also um, donated towards the purchase of one of our transport vans. Um, and we also work with... Um, very recently, comparatively, I think, uh, Best Friends Animal Society, um, which is national. And we now have a volunteer who just kind of dropped in our laps um, that writes grants and does that sort of thing for a living. And so we have we real quick jumped on her because, you know, when when Mandy and I started this rescue, we just wanted to save a few senior dogs. We thought, you know what? We're going to, we're going to do 50 dogs our first year. Well, we tripled that in our first year. And now so far this year, and we're only at April, we're well past that number. Well past that number. The triple or well past the 50? Well past the triple. It's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, but, but we've just, we've just grown. You know, we've people have embraced this this little mission that Mandy and I had to save some old dogs. And um we've been able now to partner with some fantastic organizations, like I said, Houston Pets at Best Friends. Um we work with Su- Susie Senior Dogs has helped us with some of our dogs. They're another national foundation 
um, specifically for helping the senior dog community. And we partnered with the Heartworm Foundation uh, down in Montgomery County, Texas, to help save um, some heartworm-positive dogs from the Montgomery County Animal Shelter. Um, you know, it's just everything has just fallen into into place. And thankfully, there's a lot of gifted people out there with a lot more knowledge than Mandy and I had at the beginning <laughs> that were able to kind of lead us lead us through this and um, and help us. I would not want to foster for an organization that I did not know that the adopters were really checked out because we invest so much in these dogs. We love them like they're our dogs and they are our dogs while they're with us. We're not just trying to move dogs. We're trying to create good fits so that both the adopters and the family, the dogs and the families are happy and then hopefully more people will rescue. Well, it's just much Um, more sustainable. It's so much, and then we have a really low rate of dogs getting returned because we do all the work on the front end. Our family search for our next shelter dog didn't take long. My husband combed websites while I filled out and submitted application after application. We ended up driving out to Clear Lake, Iowa. Patriots for Pets is an organization who rescues dogs from all over, but puts a high priority on helping veterans and wounded warriors find forever companions. It's there that we found Willie, an active Jack Russell dachshund mix, as far as we can tell, with great energy, who loves our other dog, his toys, and his forever person, our son Michael. Remember Spencer, the dog who hid behind Nicole's couch and wouldn't come out? I don't think he ate for like four days. Um, And then he started eating a little more and coming out a little bit more. And finally, by the time his adopter, who was a lady who had, Spencer was an older dog, and he had lost his partner dog um, from the household, and he had lost his owner. And he was the last dog um, left in boarding, so he had had a lot of losses. Um, and he finally was adopted by this woman who had just lost her husband. And um, she was so quiet and patient, and all she wanted was a companion. And um, it was like a perfect match. I couldn't believe he warmed up to her immediately. Um, and it's, she sat on my sofa, and he came in and sat right by her legs. So um, that's why I think I mentioned this. I feel like there's not... Not every dog is for every person or vice versa, but even the special dogs, there's usually a special person out there. Um, the dogs that come through rescue are the lottery winners. They made it out. I mean, there are many puppies and moms having puppies and purebred dogs who are euthanized every single day. Um, so the dogs that get out, it's like the million-dollar lottery winners. It's that golden ticket. It is, yes. That's a great analogy, the golden ticket. We encourage you to research the work of animal shelters and humane societies in your area. There are small but impactful actions you can take to help your local rescue, like donating food, cleaning supplies, stuffed toys, and gently used towels and blankets. Fostering an animal or even signing up to walk a dog one day a week 
is a huge help to staff. For businesses looking for a way to engage with the rescue community, Nicole referenced all kinds of places from pet stores to beer gardens, wineries to car dealerships, who have donated the space and opportunity for people to meet fosters, prospective adoptees, and raise awareness about shelters and rescues. No act of kindness is too small. In fact, it just might save a life. Impactually is created and produced in cooperation with Hum Productions. Our web address is hum, that's H-U-M-M, productions.com. Financial support for the show is provided by JLB Images and listeners like you who support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash impactually. We'd like to extend thanks to our guests, Jody Fisher and Nicole Espy. We have photos of their rescues and links to Albert's Dog Lounge, as well as the other rescue organizations mentioned in this episode, on our website. You can also find them on social media, where there are updates on animals currently up for adoption and ways that you can help. Special thanks to the band A Brighter Bloom for sharing their song, Photographic Memory. We have a link to their website in our show notes, and their music is available on all major streaming platforms. And our team, Christine Murdoch, Senior Producer and Editor, James Nash, Director of Operations, Jack Bechtold, Director of Production, Sound Engineering by Matt Wheeler and Andy Shoemaker, Music Curation by L. Lively of Crooked Tree Creative. Richard Cassis of Spark Inc. for branding and graphic design, Lee Bechtold for web design and IT support, Andrew Sachs for our original theme music, and I'm Brooke Bechtold, head writer, executive producer, and host. Subscribe and listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it as it helps others find us too. We'll be back soon with another extraordinary episode. Everyone has a story. Share. Share.